Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Always loving having on the program Diana Fergott-Roth, a senior White House official. She's worked in highest levels of the federal government over the years, and she's a leading economist, and we love having on her on the program. She also works with the Heritage Foundation, has a syndicated column, which we're going to talk about that uh, on today's program. Uh, before we get started, kind of give us an update on your activities with Heritage, which their website is heritage.org. Uh, thanks so much, Kevin. It's such a pleasure to be on your show. Happy New Year. I'm director of Heritage's Center for Energy, Climate, and Environment. And we do all kinds of work along those lines showing how much more energy America can produce, how we don't want to become dependent on China, and how uh, the climate has been changing for uh, hundreds of thousands or millions of years. Yes. Yes. And in spite of the fact, and the reality is, is we haven't even really looked at it scientifically until the last uh, century. And so uh, there's so much we don't know. Um, and so it's, it's, it's very uh, difficult to uh, ascertain as to how to go forward. You have a very interesting article in Forbes uh, at Forbes.com, Uncle Sam's Three Christmas Gifts to China. What, what an odd country for the United States to be sending gifts to. Why don't you set the stage for us? It really is odd that there are people who are trying to weaken America's economy and make China's economy stronger. But, Kevin, that's what's happening with battery electric vehicles, the focus on climate change, and the ESG movement, which is environmental, social, and governance. And all these result in more purchases by Americans from China and less use of America's own natural resources, oil and natural gas, which we have in plentiful, inexpensive quantities. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, uh, you know, and you and I differ. I, I personally do believe there's something going on with the climate and with the environment. Uh, oh, I do, we, too. No, no, uh, no, 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 we don't differ on that. I also believe that there are things going on with climate and the environment, and I do believe we need to focus on uh, reducing global emissions. But the way to yes. do that is not to encourage China to produce more because China is building more and more coal-fired uh, power plants. So if we don't use natural gas, but we buy batteries from China that are made with coal-fired power plants, then there are more emissions going into the air. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to miss, uh, misspeak. Um, I think what we do definitely agree on for sure is that we don't know all of the causes of it. We also know that what of the causes we do know of, of uh, climate change, the United States is actually one of the best players in its behavior, and the Chinese is by far the worst. And it doesn't matter what all the West and the United States does to try to mitigate it on our end, the Chinese are continually uh, ruining, uh, you know, the environment with its behaviors. And furthermore, uh, since we don't know a lot about the causes, uh, it's almost like Don Quixote chasing windmills for the focus to be on Western country emissions uh, rather than on tactical approaches 
to solve some of these problems because there's a ton of tactical uh, approaches that can take uh, place uh, to help solve some of these problems, and they're rarely in the, destruct in the conversation. The progressives want to focus entirely on really romantic ideas that would require us to control China, and I don't see that happening. Exactly. Over the past 15 years, the United States has reduced its CO2, that's carbon emissions, by 970 million metric tons, whereas China has raised its carbon emissions by 4,689 million metric tons. And India has raised its emissions by 1,315 million metric tons. So we have been reducing our carbon emissions. So by discouraging the use of clean natural gas and moving our energy-intensive production over to China and requiring battery electric vehicles, which means more batteries produced in China, we are worsening carbon emissions. Yeah, no doubt about it. Okay, let's talk about the uh, the three gifts. I'm going to name all three of them first, and as to time we have left, we'll elaborate on those. Number one is battery electric vehicles. Number two, focus on climate change. And then uh, number three, environmental, social, and governance movement. So those are the big three. Now, I think of the three, obviously, the uh, first two uh, are, are much more obvious. So let's start with the less obvious, the environmental, social, and government, governance movement. Talk a little bit about that. We'll start with the end for once. Right, exactly, exactly. Well, what the environmental, social, and governance movement does uh, is it encourages uh, private, it in encourages international development organizations not to invest in conventional fuels. So, for example, uh, investments in uh, natural gas, uh, nuclear power, conventional fuels are discouraged, even in developing countries where they have people who do not have running water or electricity who could tremendously benefit from a natural gas or coal-fired or nuclear power plant. Instead, they want to focus on renewables, wind turbines, and solar panels, which have their place in some areas. But in terms of providing dense electricity to support manufacturing, to support water systems, uh, electricity systems in developing countries such as Africa, Latin America, wind and solar do not do an adequate job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the other two then. Mm -hmm. Talk about the, uh, you know, of, of these, it seems like the big, big big because it's so, it, it's just exploded in the last few years, and it's still being promoted by uh, governments on all level, level, particularly state governments. In California, the first that come to mind is the battery electrified uh, vehicles. Yes, and we've talked earlier about how this makes America dependent on batteries made in China, and it has other effects also. It weakens our economy because electric vehicles are more expensive than equivalent gasoline-powered vehicles. If you're going to spend, if you're going to buy a car, if you're going to spend more on that car, you have less to spend on going out to dinner, for example, helping local workers and helping local businesses grow. Uh, it also hurts those who are least able to pay. 
So it disadvantages low-income Americans, uh, minorities, uh, Indian tribes who have less money. They are disproportionately affected by having to buy more expensive vehicles. And the best-selling vehicle in the United States is the F-150 pickup truck. And the mm-hmm. electric equivalent costs about ten or $15,000 more than the base gasoline-powered vehicle, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, that's a very, uh, I think, uh, powerful argument about how a lot of these, they call them progressive policies. And yet, if you were to talk to progressives historically, I think the vast majority are of, of, of those historically would say these policies are anything but progressive. Progressive policies historically were supposed to lift people up, help them advance, recognizing that they had disadvantages. These policies keep them disadvantage. It's so hypocritical that, hypocritical that these people call themselves progressives while promoting policies like this. We're hurting our own low-income individuals here in the United States. We're hurting low-income individuals in developing countries in Africa and Latin America. We are not doing anyone any good with these policies except investors in the uh, solar and wind and electric equipment. They, these investors are winning. And let me tell you, they are not low income. <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah, it's just another form of crony capitalism. Exactly, exactly. It's crony yeah. capitalism as a, at, at its worst because it's radically disadvantaging uh, people who need help the most. And I haven't even talked about the geographic disparity. People in rural areas uh, have much further distances to go, and so they cannot manage on a battery-powered electric vehicle that has to be recharged every 200 or so miles. It hurts truckers. It hurts people in cold states. Can you believe it, Kevin? But the Department of Transportation is putting $50 million into charging stations in Alaska when there are only 1,200 battery-powered electric vehicles registered there. Why? Because the cold in Alaska saps those battery-powered electric vehicles and reduces their range and makes them uh, lose their power. As everybody knows, if you go outside on a cold day, maybe the battery in your gasoline-powered car is flat and you have to call the AAA to get it recharged or get somebody to jumpstart it. So there's a reason that people in these cold states don't want to rely on batteries for their vehicles, but yet the transportation department is putting millions and millions of dollars into these states. It's not just Alaska. They're putting the equivalent amount into North Dakota, uh, Minnesota, Wyoming, all places where there are very few battery-powered electric vehicles because it's so cold. Yeah, and I'm not much for conspiracy theories. Frankly, when you start getting into those, eyes get glazed. But when you were talking, you know, in my mind, I'm like going, ah, no wonder why progressives back this, because this is going to harm the GOP, which, and I say that, the vast majority of of rural voters are in the GOP. I mean the vast majority, as you well know. It's kind of economic genocide against their political enemies. It really is. And when the government's deciding where the charging stations are, then the government is deciding where you can go. Just like Stalin liked trains because then he knew where everybody was going. If you put the charging stations where you want people to go and you don't want to put them, maybe uh, where your political opponents are, and then you mandate the battery-powered electric cars, you have a big say 
over which areas benefit and which areas do not. Yes, yes, that's uh, it's really quite uh, quite terrifying when you think about it. And again, I don't want to get overly into it. I'm 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 thinking that may be more of a latent benefit of their policy than a planned approach. But it nothing surprises me anymore. I mean, literally nothing surprises me. Final one is focus on climate change, which uh, you know again, why are we not focusing more on tactical approaches that we know can make a difference rather than pie in the sky notions that. When, when you've got a player like China, probably makes little or no difference. But talk about that and also provide your final thoughts as we wrap it up. So if we're, uh, if we're concerned about climate change uh, and we are all concerned about getting cleaner air and cleaner water, then we want to reduce emissions and we want to have uh, uh, more clean natural gas. And that's made cleaner air throughout the United States over the past uh, 15 to 20 years. Uh, and the opposite is happening when we export our industry to uh, China and other places in developing countries where they have looser regulations than we do. So no matter what your view is, if you want to reduce emissions, you want to have more manufacturing here made with clean natural gas rather than exporting it overseas. You want to strengthen America's economy uh, you want to uh, uh, not offshore jobs and offshore manufacturing to people who have said they are not their friends. China openly says it is no friend of the United States. So why we are weakening yes. our economy and strengthening the economy of a country that brags that it's not America's friend, I cannot understand. Me either. That's a good point to end on. Diana Furcott-Ross, she is with Heritage Foundation, heritage.org. She's involved in a lot of things. We're going to have a link to her most recent uh, article at Forbes, and uh, you ought to subscribe to uh, her content there. Diana, Diana, thanks so much for being with us. As always, you're one of my favorites to come, and, and we appreciate your reoccurring visits. It's such an honor being on your show, Kevin. I hope you have a wonderful 2023. You too. I, I'm glad I, I get to enjoy you as part of it. So thanks so much. I'm Kevin Price. This is The Price of Business. Stay tuned for more.